Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to a Christmas edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. It truly is the best time of the year. And we'll be celebrating by doing our annual Films of the Year. This is collated by all of the Curzon staff sending us in their top ten. Sam having to sit around with a lovely Excel spreadsheet and count it all up. Uh, and then we have the pleasure of talking about some wonderful films. Uh, I'm Jake Cunningham and joining me in the room is... The winner of Achievement in Receiving Positive Feedback for Questions from Paul Dano, Kelly Powell. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, wow, what, a, what an honour. Thank you so much. <laughs> and the award for Best Borges-inspired <laughs> short-form programme across Curzon Bloomsbury and the Horse Hospital is Stephen Ryder. Well Thank done. you, Jay. Yours was Hello. the best. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of people going for that one. There's only been one other ever. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And Sam Howlett. <laughs> Nominee. Yeah. Nominee. <laughs> My ball has inspired. Program was terrible. Yeah. It was a good race, though. Yeah. Oh, guys, it's the end of the year. And uh, we've had a good year chatting what about films. What a horrible films. year. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. kind of, no, no good Christmas movie to top it off. Um, What's the Christmas movie? I think it's Mary Poppins, isn't it? Is yeah. it set at Christmas? No, but no, it's, it's got that Christmassy feeling. Not a Christmas movie. Maybe it's set at Christmas. Though. The Grinch came out this Christmas. The Grinch I think, came out. Christmas correct. Chronicles. Not a lot of fanfare. Um, I don't know what Christmas Chronicles is. Kurt Russell, Russell was Santa. Santa. Oh, yeah. Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so before we go into the collated Curzon top ten, Sam, you've been doing a bit of chat in the office, haven't you? A little bit of chat. Yeah. So we're going to hear from four people from head office who are going to speak each speak about film from their top. 10 that didn't make the overall top 10 so these are just kind of some alternate uh, favourites from head office we're going to have uh, Curzon programmer Lydia Penke talking about the documentary Three Identical Strangers we're going to hear from the director of marketing Kate Garova who's speaking about Annihilation then we're going to hear from also from marketing Duncan Carson who's talking about little seen British documentary Ireland and finally friend of the podcast Ryan Hewitt is talking about Game night. Right, okay. <laughs> All right, I love it. Great. Wow. Great. So do enjoy these mini reviews. I do, like, Ryan will pop up, like, every few months uh, to do a guest on the pod, and it always brings something with him. Can I just say, <laughs> I've never heard or seen Ryan be so passionate and enthusiastic about something than when he's talking about game night. Did he put it as his number one? No, it was middle of his list or but he's so number one was blockers yeah. <laughs> yeah, he speaks right, about yeah. blockers in this as well <laughs> and tag it's basically Ryan's roundup of studio comedies in yeah. 2018 oh, I love it I love great it. Kate Garova welcome thank you thank you for having me uh, so one film that jumped out of me from your top 10 was Annihilation uh, can you tell us why and how Annihilation came to be in your top 10 of 2018 Annihilation, I think, took me somewhat by surprise. So I remember seeing an image from the film mm -hmm. and it's Natalie Portman and she's looking into the mouth of like a, what could be a huge alligator. Mm. And that picture was sort of doing the rounds of our most anticipated films for 2018. And I was like, 
what is this film? I don't know what this film... I had no idea about the books at that time. And I do like sci-fi, and I'm a big fan of women in sci-fi, because I'm sure, Sam, you'd agree with me that there's not enough of them. I do agree with you. Okay. So, and then um, Paramount were due to release the film, and then uh, Paramount weren't going to release the film. Netflix had the film. And so there was one afternoon, and I was sick, and I was off work, and uh, so I thought, I'll watch Annihilation. And I just, I was just, I just found it mesmerizing. I found it haunting. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it all. I don't know if you know the story, where well, you've seen it, so you know the story. So Natalie Portman plays a biologist. And um, and that's believable. You know, there are some Hollywood actors that couldn't play biologists, but I did definitely believe that she was one. Her husband goes on this mission, played by Oscar Isaac. He goes missing and she's grieving. Um, and he returns uh, unexpectedly, just comes back into their house. It's very clear quite quickly that he's not the same man that went on the mission um and before we know it the sort of you know kind of government seemed to have swooped down and he's taken he's hospitalized um and 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 she starts to find out more about the mission Mm. um that he went on and basically there's something called the shimmer which is occurring over a sort of southern part of america and strange things happen in the shimmer and then so uh, natalie portman as the biologist uh goes off Mm -hmm. um to explore with a set of other female scientists um including uh Jennifer Jason Lee as the lead and I just want to say that she's called Dr Ventress mm. and nobody at all in any media that I see have seen seems to have picked up on the fact that Ventress is also the name of the assassin in the Clone Wars is it just yeah. me is that the, like, uh, is the, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. A, anyway the, I don't the, know the, the white head with the yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't picked up on that. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything. And anyway, so they go into the shimmer and um, and they find various strange botanical things happening yeah. and creatures have also um, sort of, I don't know, gestated into something else, which hence the alligator picture. Anyway, I'm not going to give away the ending. So... I have, since watching the film, yeah. uh, directed by Alex Garland, went on uh, and looked at a lot of kind of geek websites to see if I could make more sense of this mm. film. It maybe makes slightly more sense of the film, but actually I don't think it matters that no. much. Because it is really, there are some be- there's some beautiful scenes in there, um, imagery, and whilst you're watching it, and you don't know what's going to happen, you have this sense of genuinely not knowing what's going to happen. And that's quite strange in a film, I think, these days. And I know sci-fi yeah. is always unusual and it's plotted out in that way, but I think that it is quite rare to really genuinely... I didn't know who was or if anyone was going to survive mm. by the end of it, any of those things. And after watching the film, I then went and read all three books. All three? Does all this three. film I'm, condense the three into one? Or... It does, it does, yes, I, I okay. suppose it does. I mean, I can say that the books are leave you with the same sense of dread in the pit of your okay. stomach, so they're really amazing. Yeah. And, um, but the, the, they do all have to be read because it is sort of condensed, but obviously, clearly, with three books yeah. into one film, there is so much that's missed okay. out that is creepy and like your mind can't quite make sense of it and it is and i think those are really extraordinary sort of senses of emotion to get from both mediums yeah definitely i think the bit that i remember most was the bit with the bear Mm -hmm. and it's like you say it's like the image of the bear and the sound the bear makes Mm -hmm. happening at the same time yep it takes your brain a second to work out what that is and then realize how horrible that is it's it's really horrible yeah. and then also because at the point that you see the bear uh, you don't know exactly what's happening yeah. so your brain or your imagination yeah. is really working overtime to try and make sense of it yeah i think it's a yeah really good sci-fi horror as well as a sort of yes. standard sci-fi yes and kind of people have compared it to kind of tarkovsky 
Yes, yes. and apparently, because um, I was listening, uh, strangely, even though I didn't know you were going to ask me to speak about Annihilation, a podcast with uh, Alex Garland, oh. and he does reference Tarkovsky. Yeah. It's one of his inspirations, so yeah, yeah. that's true. Something kind of arrivally in the way that it's sort of mid-budget sci-fi with a brain. Yes, and that's apparently why Paramount didn't release it, okay. because um, audiences found it, apparently test audiences found it too intellectual yeah. and too complicated. Um, Which it is. Yeah. Not too, but it is intellectual and it is complicated. It is, and yeah. it's still kind of quite hard, I think, to even digest what yeah. you think it is, which we're not going to yeah. say here sure. and now yeah. for people who haven't seen it. Um, but I really... But what it does so well is it gets into your skin, yeah. which is a really, I think, an intriguing way of saying something about this film once you've seen it. <laughs> and, um, and, and it does really make you sort of think, and it makes you think about things in the universe. So it makes you think about big themes in the yeah. universe. It makes you think about kind of uh, rebirth and what, yeah. it, what it means to be authentic and you and true and, you know, and all the stories and that go beyond that and the unknown and mm. mystery and they're quite a lot of things to have they going are, on in yeah. your brain at exactly <laughs> the same time <laughs> but also there isn't the, the film isn't just that it's also an entertaining sci-fi film it's a it's a great sci-fi film yeah. and there are really as well as all those themes like i say some of the haunting images like when um one of the scientists mm. gets very close to nature and you see it growing around her mm. that's a really beautiful scene and she also kind of makes a decision then a quite yeah. a brave decision and um so i was i was really kind of swept away by the imagery as well yeah. so it is entertaining very good um you know, very good kind of talented ensemble cast working mm. together. And I don't think genre comes into it. Uh, I mean, gender rather comes into it. I just think it is refreshing to see these. Uh, I think it's refreshing to see these actors the, uh, and you don't quite know how it's going to play out yeah. because sometimes you might see a kind of horror sci-fi and you'll see the you see kind of people tropes of characteristics yeah. whereas none of these you know none of these scientists have that Definitely. these yeah. females have it so you don't know who's gonna potentially get you yeah. know and it's not part of the plot that it's for women no they just are for women they just are yeah yeah, yeah. Indeed. you've really made me want to rewatch it now good <laughs> so uh kate grover thank you very much thank you Lydia Penka, welcome to the Cousin Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so we're talking about some of your favourite films of the year, uh, in particular, uh, a documentary that hasn't appeared on any other list. So do you want to tell us about that one? Yes, um, I was lucky enough to pick a film that no one in Curzon has either seen or heard about. Um, it's called Three Identical Strangers, released by Dogwoof. Uh, and it's a documentary about three identical strangers <laughs> it's quite hard to talk about this film without giving away massive spoiler alerts but i think it's safe to say um that in the first 10 minutes there's a lot of it happens very quickly and and you and you're just so amazed by what's on yeah. unraveling in the first 10 minutes that you're, you're like how, how are they going to fill the next hour and a half of this film and uh, so it starts off with a guy going to university and people are going up to him, clapping him on the back, going, oh, hi, welcome back. And he's like, but I've never been here before. And then it turns out that he uh, discovers he has an identical twin that was at the same university, but dropped out. Well, and Then it unravels, yes. It's one of the stranger than fiction sort of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's all true. And then, uh, obviously, without that's not giving much away if I say that there's a third yeah. twin that enters into it. <laughs> Um, uh, so a triplet rather than a twin yeah. and, uh, and these guys are identical and they discovered they've had completely separate lives wow. for, for all their lives and then they hang out and become brothers but they've all had very very different yeah. upbringings uh, and it's just the film is just so um, it, it, I mean it explores interesting avenues like is it nature versus mm. nurture because they because they've had such different upbringings yeah. and they're different characters and right um but obviously there's a lot of media attention around them and they go on tv shows and they become okay. instant celebrities and things yeah. like that so. so what was it about this film then that made it into your top 10 i think it's because it was so 
unusual and also because I was really happy that Netflix didn't take it and make it into a 10-part series, <laughs> which it could easily have yeah. been because there was so much yeah. material on it. And also because I hadn't heard anything about this story and it, was, it must be really hard in this day and age to find uh, stories that haven't really been unraveled. Mm. It probably did come out at the time, obviously it yeah. did, because there was loads of media around it. Um, but to make a documentary about a story that's so old now... Uh, and it still feels so relevant and shocking as well yeah. because there are twists in it just when you think it couldn't get yeah. any worse there's a yeah. massive twist okay that could be too much away. <laughs> um yeah i think documentaries often sometimes get slightly ignored at the end of the year for these top 10 lists like as we've seen with the curls on top 10 most of them are fiction films but i mean you've you've picked you picked two documentaries didn't you i did actually yeah i think i mean i i quite like to try and um broaden out my list yeah. and I do think about you know there's the odd blockbuster in there there's always something quite quirky in there because yeah. that's actually the sort of film that I love like the greasy strangler yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. but maybe it's because we're not showing that many documentaries anymore Possibly. that we don't be used to so. well they're all on Netflix now aren't they yeah exactly yeah yeah, like, yeah. 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 apart from this one which is great <laughs> great Lydia thank you very much Ryan Hewitt welcome to the podcast Thanks, Sam. Thanks for uh, having me. Looking at your list, you've got a few that have cropped up time and time again on our list for this year, but there's one jumping out at me that I haven't seen on another list, and that is Game Night. So yeah. you can tell us a bit about what Game Night is and how it ended up in your top 10. Well, Game Night is, for my money, the best studio comedy of the year, mm-hmm. and that has had some stiff competition, let's be honest. Yeah. There's been uh, blockers as well. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that one. I heard uh, very good things about it. Well, you know what? That's a surprisingly progressive film yeah. in terms of gender politics. Okay. You wouldn't think it, no, given the setup. Yeah, it's an odious idea, really. I saw the trailer, and yeah, yeah. odious oh. was is a good word for what <laughs> yeah. I thought about the trailer. But, but you know what? Give it a chance. Yeah. It's got an extraordinarily good set piece involving some um, blindfolded naked people in okay. their house. Uh, I'll say no more, but it's terrific. Okay, uh, and then there was uh, tag. Yeah, tag. tag. I didn't see it, but I know that um, Jamie Renner's arm was CGI'd because he broke his arm. Did he? For a couple of scenes, he's got a CGI arm. Oh, I didn't know His arm was in a cast for parts of it. Well, that's a testament to how yeah. much I was... I, I, I wasn't laughing that much in Tag, okay. to be honest. Tag has got some very uh, ill-judged jokes okay. throughout it. But it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. But the best, the cream of the crop, yeah. is absolutely game night. Okay. Uh, it's a story about... A set of couples who are best friends, yep. you know, like couple dates, that kind of thing. And they have a weekly game night. Mm-hmm. Every week they get around someone's house. They break out a board game, Pictionary, Scrabble, yep. that kind of thing, charades. And they just compete in their couples. Yep. It's very good natured. A couple of them get a bit competitive, but it's all, all fun and games. Yep. Um, and then one day, the, the our lead is Jason Bateman, really. It's yep. quite an ensemble, but really it's Jason Bateman and okay. Rachel McAdams are the lead couple. Uh, they're particularly good at games. They're very compatible with each other. And Jason Bateman's character has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because his brother, played by Kyle Chandler, is considerably more successful mm-hmm. and dashing and yeah. altogether cooler than him. Okay. He shows up after a bit of a period of being fairly estranged, joins in with game night, and then challenges them to an ultimate game night, right. which is a bit like uh, that David Fincher film, The Game, where it's a big role-playing game, you don't know what's real, what's not, things are going to get dangerous. It's like, it's like David Finch's The Game, but it's not a bit boring. It's really funny. It's like really, really funny. Mm. And so Kyle Chandler's character, he sets this thing up. They all go around his house. The role-play begins. Yeah. And it's not a role-play. It's happening okay. for real. He's being kidnapped. And... The, the conceit is these guys, the rest of them, they have to work together to find the brother in order to save him from certain death. But they think it's just so they can win a car at the end. Okay. So the beauty of this film is the dramatic irony throughout of the audience yeah. knowing this is real and everybody else refusing to accept <laughs> that it's real. And Jason Bateman is on absolutely perfect, his best form yeah. of playing that deadpan totally self-aware yeah. oh this is ridiculous there are little stupid little scenes where like Kyle Chandler's getting beaten up in front of them being kidnapped yeah. and Jason Bateman's just going guys have you had this cheese oh this cheese is delicious <laughs> just picking up this cheese and there's some really terrific moments where 
you know that they're hold, like things like you know they're holding a real gun they've not figured it yeah. out it's all so so simple and so silly yeah but that is where its brilliance lies it is just completely complete buffoonery the whole time everyone plays it so perfectly and the moments of the reveals are kind of catch you off guard mm. because it's so silly that yeah. you sort of think you should be able to keep up with this and i'm maybe doing myself a disservice admitting that i got i got got Okay. <laughs> a few times in this film. But I was just too busy laughing. Yeah. Bateman is just, he's doing his uh, arrested development shtick yeah. times 10, really playing for the laughs, yeah. really doing this like put upon every man thing. And uh, Rachel McAdams is fantastic in comedy. She hasn't been this good since Mean Girls. I mean, yeah. you know, with respect to her dramatic roles, yeah. which are a different kettle of fish, but she's really, really funny. Then there's this performance from Jesse Plemons who plays a kind of he's this like weird cop who lives next okay. door to them he used to be part of the gang they've pushed him out because they think he's on oddball right. he is odd but he uh, he plays a crucial role I would get into spoiler territory if I said any more Sharon Horgan shows yep. up she's great everyone's just on really top yeah. form and it pushes all of its gags to the absolute limit without them being just bad taste they're so close to bad taste right but the guys who've written it and directed it who if i'm if i'm not mistaken they have credits on spider-man homecoming and uh, i think they do a couple of other fairly yeah. respectable films uh they pull it back at just right. the right point so this is where tag went wrong for example okay. it didn't pull them back far enough. it went yeah. too far with things and they just became bad taste but game night just, just lands perfectly I've read a lot of reviews. People are a little bit snooty about it. They're quite happy to admit that it's amusing, mm. which is like, come on, guys. It's really, it's really funny. Yeah. It's really funny. And it, yeah, it has these like thriller elements, but they're all in service of jokes. It's not a thriller. It is a like straight so up comedy. studio yeah. comedy that rarely work. It's 96 minutes long. When was the last time there was a studio comedy that wasn't over know, two yeah. hours long and had to have 30 minutes with someone learning yeah. a life lesson? Like, thank God we've moved past that. That was, you know, that Apatow thing I was, was great for a yeah. time, but we're, we're past it. I can't yeah. do another train wreck or another one of these things. It just goes on and on and on. This one is just efficient, no messing about, just, well, pure messing about, but does what it is. Yeah. It's, it's great fun. Nice one. Cheers, Ryan. Thanks. Cheers, Duncan Carson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So you're here to talk about one of your top 10 films of the year, and that is The Island. So what is it, and why is it in your top 10? So Island is a very small British documentary. Um, didn't actually play that many sites. Um, but I want to talk about this film because I think I was the only one in the entire company. Hopefully I wasn't the only one who saw it. But I'm certainly anybody who put it in their top 10 in a year. And as much as there are other films that, you know, I thought were maybe more cinematically lasting, it was the film that I thought about the most this year and it had the most unique um, experience. Um, and when I tell you it's about, um, it's basically about people dying um, for 90 minutes and it's film set in a hospice in the Isle of Wight um, and it's very artistic um, it's very abstract from time to time and it basically follows four people um, as they're facing the end and uh, obviously it has that straight the finale is no surprise to anyone um, because it is about death um, and it was it had a degree of notoriety because it was one of the first films to show someone's last moments as a kind of a really mesmerizing kind of eight or so minute shot um, of one of the characters um, breathing their last and then the subsequent moments when the hospice nurses um, deal with him afterwards. Um, so yeah, I find that incredibly moving. I think it's a really hard thing to face death. Um, but I think it shows you that people face it in a lot of different ways. Um, that you know that it's you're as unique as you know your approach to death is as unique as you are um there's a sort of like kind of like folk philosopher guy who's you know gives his sort of like uh views about existentialism um kind of like eschatology and you know where it's all going and it, that's fascinating 
and there's an older woman who clearly just wants um, some level of contact. Um, there's a guy in middle age who's terminally ill, who's saying goodbye, you know, far before his time. Um, and, you know, he's completely conscious about what is going on, how, you know, his friends visiting him. It's really poignant and heartbreaking and moving. But I think we could all stand, given how much time we spend avoiding thinking about death, we could all stand to be in the experience of death a little bit, a little bit more and sort of humanise it and fear it a little bit less. And that's why I thought it was a um, really unique experience. Yeah. How does this sort of compare to other documentaries? Like what sort of style documentary is it? How... Yeah, so I mean, I think I, I think it's one of those. You know, I was really, I was really felt really um, relieved that I could see it um, in the context of with the director because I think it raises a lot of ethical questions because, you know, it's very intimate. You know, we're not normally showing these things on screen, and you're, it raises a lot of questions where you're like, is it okay that I'm looking at this? Have they been okay to look at this? Um, and I know, you know, there's there's ways that the film subtly attunes to the fact that that you know that this is a sort of like conversation between the filmmakers that you know his that Stephen Eastwood the director is sort of directly addressed on camera but then he was on hand to sort of like confirm a lot of the things so he actually you know went to a crazy extent of becoming the next of kin of the the man you see die on screen because the only way you can kind of be alerted that someone's reaching the end is if you become a next of kin and he didn't have any other people in his life um so that was pretty astonishing um to hear that so it's i think it's a much more intimate documentary um and as much as it's, it's not kind of like a michael moore sort of louis Theroux type you know like person on you know on screen yeah. interviewing people but it hasn't like you know you're aware of there being a presence but not you know like a controlling hand it doesn't feel authored he's just giving it's more like you're aware of a conversation happening that at least one person's right. not speaking but they're you know they're they're a presence as the director okay. thank you duncan cheers sir Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, so coming in at number 10 uh, and really making us all look great is a film called Summer 1993, which none of us have seen. <laughs> nope. Uh, Sam, what is this one? Uh, this is a Italian coming-of-age drama, and not loads of people put it in their list, but the ones that did put it very highly. So that's how just, it's... In the algorithm. The algorithm, it. so you get one point for a film at number 10, two points at nine, three points at eight, etc., etc. et and so you get the number one film of each list gets 10 points. Mm. And this appeared in enough people's lists in a higher... Um, section that it got enough points just to sneak in at the end. Lovely. Uh, and that is actually available on Curzon Home Cinema, so we've got no excuses. Mm. No, and, yeah. and I remember up. seeing it played at Bloomsbury for quite a while, mm. um, and I think it did kind of have a really steady mm. audience to it. Uh, it's definitely a film that went under my radar, so mm. I'll, be, I'll be catching it. Excellent. Um, well, number nine is one of uh, my favourites. It's Lady Bird. Uh, and I know this this was a pretty special interview, because we managed to get Greta Gerwig on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I, I love Ladybird. It's it's hell of tight, and uh, but I don't know what the feeling in the room is for Ladybird. Yeah. I know I like people. Might, it's a bit slight, and maybe in like nine months later. Yeah, it feels of... like I, f- I forgot even that it was released this year. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely when when it was out and when it was peaking, I was on that train. Yeah. Um, so I really. Uh, I forgot about it actually, but it didn't. Unfortunately, it didn't make my top ten of the yeah. year, just because I think so many great films came out yeah. since. But yeah, uh, I actually want to go back and watch it again. It, me too. Yeah. yeah, me too. I yeah. feel like it's got a, it's a film that feels like it's got a lot to give over mm. kind of uh, a longer watching period. I, I 
I'm not sure if it's at the time when it came out, it seemed quite, uh, it seemed to tap into something that people were really needing mm. in cinema at that point of the year. Um, and I think that uh, the Greta Gerwig's nomination, she got a nomination for Best Director, I think, that year, kind of really spurred people on, spurred the box office, spurred people to go and yeah. see it. Personally, I don't think the direction in the film was actually that impressive. I do think that, that her direction of actors was very, very, very good. Um, and the writing was such an amazing script from top to bottom. Um, so, yeah, I think Lady Bird, I'd be really interested to see if it stands the test of time, actually. Um, but I'm just looking forward to her, to Little Women, to be honest, yeah, yeah, in that yeah, cast. Yeah. Well, so it seems like, from, I mean... From what I've said about her being a being a good director with actors, I think that's what probably why she's uh, secured such an incredible cast for Little Women. So. Yeah, um, and also there's a there's a cut uh, in a car between Saoirse Ronan's character and the mum, and that is for me is the best edit of the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so good. Um, and speaking of fantastically edited films, uh, let's go on to 120 BPM. Uh, mm. This is another kind of holdover from 2017 as well uh but this is terrific isn't it this is terrific yeah and we had uh director robin campillo on the show Phil was like two years ago now but it was like <laughs> nine months ago um yeah really important film and not as heavy as you think it might be yeah well heavy, it's that not was heavy the tough sell it's like very, the two yeah. and a half hour long <laughs> aids mm. activist film it's yeah. a hot yeah it's a tough sell but i think you're right the editing the cinematography, the acting, everything kind of brings it together and gives it this energy that means you really don't feel weighed down by it. No, it has this amazing ability to completely uh, make time elastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is uh, like this just, like conversation about uh, an early sex act in one of the characters' life mm. uh, that's phenomenal. It's the best like, scene in the film yeah, for me. Yeah. Uh, um, and the way that it moves from these protest based conversations in a lecture theatre into a club into these CGI bits of uh, kind of blood cells and it's so well cut that you don't even notice these huge changes of the mm. aesthetic yeah mm. no I agree I think that the, that, that extended bedroom scene is actually a really good example mm. of that like the fact that it's a post sex scene which isn't something we get to see very often in cinema one that where the, the post the discussion post sex is actually longer than the sex itself mm. and that's I think that's part of that time elasticity is that you know we don't cut um, and that's what a film like this needs, is mm. less cutting away from yeah. actual conversation about, you know, the issues that these people are going through. And yeah. I, I think it's an incredible film. And I, 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 it's been long enough to revisit it, I think, yeah. now yeah. since I've seen it. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, amazing remix of Small Town Boy yeah. uh, from Vibronsky Beat in there. <laughs> right. And this was actually another one that was uh, part of the incredible early year uh, artificial eye run of a kind of fantastic woman bpm and the square mm. uh, so fantastic woman we just spoken about disobedience sebastian yeah. lelio's film uh this was the film that won the foreign language oscar uh that he made prior to disobedience i think this film really you know captured something in people that they really really got on with it um people really love this film that i've spoken to and yeah, Sebastian Nilio, what a crazy year to have Disobedience, Fantastic Woman, and then next year, Gloria Bell come out. And that's already premiered. Yeah. It's mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a worker. Busy boy. <laughs> we, were yeah. saying, we were talking about this though, Kelly, weren't yeah. we? Yeah, he's yeah, taking these projects on kind of thick and fast. Uh, you almost want him to slow down a little bit. Yeah. But he's, I mean, as long as he's putting out quality work, you know, that's mm. what matters. Yeah. Um, and the, the, some of my, like the more memorable bits for a Fantastic Woman for me were these, um, those kind of, uh, magic realist yeah. touches, yeah. which I didn't know were going to happen in there, um, and just when the the wind machine suddenly turns up to a hundred just to walk down the yeah. street, uh, and maybe in another director's hands that would be a flourish that feels over the top and just kind of leaning into hard into the melodrama of the story, mm. but actually I think it totally works. Okay, up next at number six. Uh, is Alfonso Cuaron's Roma, which is probably the most recent film that we spoke about on the podcast. Yeah. I can't believe it's only at number six. <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be higher as well, yeah. but I think maybe this is a release date problem. People saw it maybe quite late. So what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, the films that are higher in there, they've maybe had a, a longer time to uh, to sink in and to... Maybe. I mean, I just don't know how you don't see that movie and go, this is probably one of the best movies ever like made in the last decade. I think maybe I think <laughs> anyway. it, maybe it's the fact that it's 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 quite a complex film. Um, and I think people are still processing it right now. Maybe. And there's a lot of discussions that are happening right now about kind of 
whose story is it to tell and kind of class portrayal uh, and maybe not that I, th- I loved it personally I thought mm. it was a fantastic film but like I think people are still wrapping their heads around what Roma is and where it fits in mm-hmm. in the canon of 2018 and also kind of where it fit, where it's going to fit in the canon of Quaran's career mm. I think it's I think Sam's right I think it's a release date kind of longevity issue we've we've sat with Phantom Thread and we've sat with like things like that for a year now um, so we're still waiting to see yeah. kind True. of how people take in Roma in the mainstream in a wider audience mm. man it's almost like this conversation about release dates gets really annoying every year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a, I think it's a good thing I think yeah. Roma is going to stand the test of time oh yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. we should actually say that the rules for this list were that they had to play to a public audience yes mm. a UK in, public yeah. audience in 2018 yeah so America, which I think is fair that's a f- yeah I agree. Katie mm. Rome is your number one film, is it? Yeah, not? yeah, it's definitely. Of all time. time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but definitely of this year. Yeah. Yeah. It was my number two. <laughs> but I think it is very, very good. I, I think, only saw it in the last couple of days. I think it could do Best Picture. Yeah. It probably should. Yeah. Like, to I be think honest. it definitely should. Yeah. I think it maybe will. I think it's I think it's our moonlight this year. I'm I'm ready to see how it uh, how it plays on Netflix though. Because mm. I've only well, seen we'll it. So well, no they one never, will ever know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> um, right, uh, number five. I know that Stephen Ryder, you're a big fan of this one. Loveless. We're talking Loveless. Yeah, <laughs> I love Loveless. <laughs> no, I've seen Loveless. I've seen Loveless a few times now, um, and I'm really glad to see it on the list actually, because that's uh, it could be a film that is easily forgotten, but um, it's unlike any film that I've seen in cinema since. I think it's just drained of any compassion for long portions of the film, both as a director. Um, Zvagnitsev, I think is how you pronounce his name, as a director, and the actors are just drained of any compassion. Um, we get this incredible performance from the young child at the start of the film, and then he's pulled out of the movie. Um, it's <laughs> it's incredible. And I think that the way that it's shot with um, so much focus on like nature, but are completely void of any leaves or flowers or colour, um, is a really, really nice visual representation of what's going on in Russia and in these characters' lives at the time. Um, it's an absolutely fantastic movie. I, I, it really is. There's a lot of snow, so very much a Christmas film, isn't it? Yeah. One to get the family. <laughs> the, most, <laughs> the most Christmassy film we've spoke about. It's a film. Like a family yeah. coming yeah. together. Yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But no, then about the compassion, there is a, an explosion of it at the end of the film. Um, There's an explosion? An explosion of <laughs> compassion. This film is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that kind of like, yeah, that... that that really takes you by surprise, makes you question what you've seen previously. So yeah, I, I'm really glad to see Loveless on the list. Excellent. Okay, we're going to move on now to the uh, the only joint position uh, in our top ten with exactly the same number of votes, and therefore they can both say that they came third, both standing on the podium. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Everyone's a winner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Probably love that. <laughs> Um, that is Shoplifters and You Were Never Really Here. Oh, that's a good double. That's a good, that's a good double, double one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about Shoplifters uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And um, what I I was thinking about this today on my way here because I, I knew it would come up in the top 10. And I just think what's not being talked about a lot with Shoplifters is that kind of final portion of the film um, where I think... We've character that Coriada's films. We talked about family on that podcast, and how he makes films about unconventional families. But what I don't think we touched on altogether was that, um, in a way, it's a very 2018 film in that there's a big media storm at the end of it, and a lot of what happens to these characters is in post, you know, uh, inciting event in the mm. film yeah. is that the media controls their destiny uh, and controls how people perceive them. And I think that Coriada could e- just as easily be making a statement on um, how careful and how critical we've got to be of what we see in the media because we spend so much of the film with this family, this incredible family who've come together in uh, a multitude of ways um, to be unconventional. And um, we, we, we come out of it with this kind of love for them, this compassion for them. And then it's all taken away from us by the media. And I think that Correida is making a really interesting, insightful statement on that. Well, and you were saying on that episode that his films just are so uh, underlined with this quietly damning message that he's he's never shouting about as well. Um, but it's just so rewarding to just go back, revisit, rewatch, and just see what else is going along in this film that is initially just so gentle yeah there's an there's an amazing undercurrent to, all the way through the film just kind of like slowly drags you along it's, it's yeah. a beautiful film have you seen it yet Kelly? 
Don't yeah, know. I was on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, were you? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, did, you, did, you, did it get into your top ten? <clears throat> it didn't, but I don't know why. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just one of those. I think I think I'm gonna be revisiting mm. uh, many times. Yeah, um, it's well worth it. Yeah, totally. I think. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I didn't make my top ten, yeah. but I, I did. I did really love that film. Maybe yeah. it's because yeah. you did it this morning on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, Campbell, who was the guest on uh, that episode of the podcast, did uh, an interview with Hirokazu Koreeda, and that's up on the blog if anyone wants to check that out. And joining Shoplifters in third place is Lynn Ramsey's "You Were Never Really Here." Mm. Mm. No, this really, film. really yeah. good. Amazing, <laughs> film. Amazing film. I saw it at LFF last year, so it's been in my brain for quite a while now. And it's, yeah, it stayed with me for that amount of time, and it's going to stay with me forever, I think. I watched it again recently on the Blu ray. The Blu ray design, by the way, is lovely. Mm. It's a black case, and it's got like the arm, which turns into like a blood trickle. And then Joaquin oh, yeah. walking in the middle. That's, That's really very cool. nice. Cool. Um, yeah, it's there was a, a lot of great alternate artwork. For yeah, films, yes. actually. but it's such a such a cool film, and it's so like he's just such a, cool, such a cool guy. guy. <laughs> just like really cool, he's really cool. <laughs> the way that he, he kills people, <laughs> I do yeah. love. Just wicked. Yeah, trauma yeah. is cool. Yeah. 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 trauma is cool. <laughs> super <laughs> cool. <laughs> super cool guy. It's like this he's complex. Like, he's like Tom Cruise <laughs> in Collateral. He's just a dude, isn't he? Uh, I think it's cool I think it's stylish <laughs> and Sam's right it is very cool yeah, and it yeah. distracts you from how, how horrible everyone yeah. is yeah. and how, how, yeah, how exactly. awful the world um, is yeah. <laughs> yeah. and what he thinks his character yeah. is not okay no it's yeah. a film about child oh, abuse yeah. it's a film about trauma you know it's a film it's about a not being film. able to escape yeah. the cycle of violence that the world's mm. kind of perpetuating yeah. at the moment but you do come out of it like Jeez, Lynn Ramsey's a great director. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's you, incredible. Yeah, you come out of it just thinking how good she is and how much she deserves yeah. as much budget as she needs to make movies. And it's, just, she's it's just the right amount of directed, mm. if that makes sense. Like you're you're aware that the film is being like directed and filmed and like constructed, but it's not distracting. I mean, it's it's like yeah. It's mm. incredible. Exactly. Like, it's I, a complex thriller with all the complexity removed. Best yeah. opening titles of the year for me as well. Yeah. Um, I, like, I always go on about editing and these things and I have done already today but you're never here it's no like, that's worth yeah, a mention like a, yeah. if you were teaching editing I think to someone this is what you show like this is absolutely the essential elements to tell a story and nothing mm. more she's it's so totally good at that in general stripped back. Yeah. Like, more, yeah. I watched like one of my favourite experiences in the cinema this year was being able to see Morven Keller on yeah. the big screen oh. and again remarkable stuff mm. she is so good and she spoke about in the interview that like the editing on this wasn't like in some uh, like ed- editing studio here in Soho or something. It was like her and her editor at his flat, <laughs> and like Johnny Green would just like email them audio files and just like drag and drop them <laughs> in just to play around. It was just like everything about it seems like it was just done. Yeah, like she's on well, I, I, nothing. I, I, to me, it feels like she's taking a lot of influence from Nick Rogue, uh, who unfortunately passed away this year, in the way that she edits. Um, with sound, primarily, is that she, what what Ramsey does is she doesn't just take visuals and edit them into the, an inappropriate order to kind of confuse yeah. you. She takes sound from one scene to the other the, to make it quite... It's quite disorientating, but in a way that makes sense to the viewer. It's not just disorientating for disorientating's sake. It's telling a story with the editing, with the sound design, across multiple edits. And it's, it's so clever. It's such yeah. a clever film. All right. In second place uh, is one of the, well, the biggest uh, foreign language success at the UK box office this year. And as we uh, revealed on our European Film Awards Mm. podcast last week, uh, a a five-time European Film Award winner now uh, is Pavel Pavlikovsky's Cold War. Mm. Yeah. And again, something that's really captured something in people. Totally. Yeah. It feels like... People went mental for this film. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a really good film. I don't know if it's that high on my list, but it's uh, yeah. It seems like people just remember this film and have have been like grabbed it and dragged along with it. You know, yeah. like it's they just loved it, um, and for good reason. I mean, th- there's some scenes in there that I think are absolutely exquisite. Like, yeah. and the way that he tells a story as well. The editing is also. That elliptical editing. European Film Award winner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For editing, yeah. yeah. Congrats, it's, uh, that deserved. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, uh, and he's just an exciting filmmaker to to follow. 
Um, but yeah, that scene in, in the hall, you know, when they're doing the, the it's just a whole scene told full of looks um, and mm. the mirrors and the reflections and the, mm. and that from that scene on, I was like totally sold. I was like, yeah, this film is. He has a habit of 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 making of opening a scene with just such a striking shot that you have to kind of figure out. Yeah. You look at it mm. and you're like, okay, what am I looking at here? How much is this a close up? Uh, is it a kind of long shot? Um, where are the reflections happening in this room? And I think he's so good at, at making an audience stay in touch with the film for the entire running time through visuals. He's, he's incredibly striking director and that's what I like about him and mm. probably one of the reasons it did so well at the uh, the box office apart from me constantly telling people to see things on the yeah. big screen yeah, the exactly. is that it's a big screen film um, and, it, and yeah. you look at you look at a venue like Curzon Mayfair and that film's just going to play on that yeah. film, you know and it's so short that's yeah. a, you can fit like 10 screenings exactly, in a day yeah. exactly yeah. and it's also yeah. an example that like you know great art house films do not need yeah. to be three and a half hours long they do, and they don't need to be... Good shout, actually. Yeah, yeah, really good <laughs> Thank shout. They also don't need man. to be really complicated and overly intellectual and challenging. This exactly. is a very simple story told in a very simple way, mm. under 90 minutes, pretty much two major characters that mm. have a troubled relationship, mm. and that's it. Yeah. Okay, before we get to our number one film, uh, I think it's maybe worth going around the table for uh, just to fill in some honourable mentions uh, from you guys. Stephen, anything that didn't make this complete top ten that you'd so, love to shout about? Uh, I would, actually, yeah. I would like to shout out a film called The Tale, um, which was actually, it did play in uh, cinemas this year for a little while. Uh, the reason it didn't play for very long is because it was a HBO release. Um, it's by a film director first time called Jennifer Fox, who's um, telling her own story in this film. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. Mm-hmm. I know of it. It's Laura yeah, Dern. It's Laura it? yes. Dern, who for me is, gives the best performance of the year, mm-hmm. um, as she usually does in any given year. <laughs> uh, she, it's about a, a, a child sexual abuse case. Um, but told from a very personal point of view about a woman uh, kind of rediscovering her memories that she's repressed. And it's told in such a harrowing but clever way that makes you really empathise with the character. Um, She's a really incredible, powerful performer, Laura Dern, that you can't quite figure out in any of her films. They're performances that you need to watch again and again and again. She loves playing very, very complicated characters that aren't necessarily good um, and don't fall into the dichotomy of good or bad. Uh, and this is exactly the same. There's no kind of she's a, she's a she's a survivor that doesn't want to be called a survivor, and it makes you question like how you know uh, victims of this kind of stuff move on with their lives. But if anyone can see the tale, it will be on. I think various streaming platforms at this point. But it's well worth checking out. Imagine it'll be on Sky Atlantic at some point as well if it's yeah. HBO. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, but uh, it's well worth checking out, but it's not an easy watch. Mm-hmm. I will say it's a very, very difficult watch. More difficult, I think, than any film I've seen this year, including Gaspar Noé's Climax, which yeah. I also I loved. Yeah. I'm going to lie, I loved it. Okay. Is that all you're okay. going to mention? Oh, I can mention Climax. I think Climax is, is, is a great, a stunning achievement of the year. It's, it's another Gaspar Noé film that has nothing to say whatsoever, <laughs> but it's, uh, it'll take you into a, into a hellscape. Uh, and keep you there for a while and have you kind of circle in the drain before it lets you out of the cinema. So it's it's well worth checking out. Yeah, that is an accurate description of the <laughs> Gaspar Noe. Uh, Kelly, have you got an honourable mention for us? Yeah, um, difficult to choose because uh, there's many, I think, that were left off. But up there is Zama. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is so a phenomenal film. Um, the cinematography in that, I think, is going to stay with me for a very long time. And I, I really would like to see that again. Um, and what else was it? Uh, Mandy. I absolutely loved Mandy. Mandy's a really Mandy's good show, really actually. Good. Yeah. Um, Mandy's really good. I just think it's so good. Um, instant cult classic. Um, Scary! Evil! Yes. <laughs> Nick Cage, I think one of his best performances uh, in the last decade. I mean, he keeps knocking him out of the park for me. I've yeah. heard he's very good in Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, as well as Spider-Man Noir. Yeah, so, I really want to see that. That's got to be like, yeah. on the, like, mm. already in, the year. Already in the IMDb top 20 yeah, films. Yeah, it is. Top 20 ever. Yes. That will trickle wow. down. That always yeah. happens with yeah. these. I'm just yeah. saying, yeah. it's, it's made it. It's made it. Let's release the canon now, guys. Um, and Burning, I think, is also on, on uh, my list. Yeah. Not released until oh, isn't next it? year. Oh, mm. uh, okay. And Save then, that one. <laughs> and uh, Femme, I think, also is one that I, I really loved when it came out, and I watched it a couple of times. What a lovely film. Yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah. Really good film. Yeah. Alrighty, Sam? 
Well, I got a couple that uh, there's ones I'm surprised didn't get in there. So I thought Hereditary might have a bit more mm. heft with people, but I mm. think I was the only one that had it uh, quite high on my list. Uh, First Reformed as well. I was surprised oh, yeah. didn't really yeah. do much, but yeah. I mean that's quite a hard film to watch and a hard film to like. So maybe that's why. I mean, I loved it. It's so I think, good. Yeah, I think out of all the film, actually, I think out of all the all the films this year, top to bottom, I think that's the one that people are going to look back as being the most prescient film mm. of our yeah, time. Yeah, I mm. think so, definitely. Um, and I think people should try and see it as soon as possible be- for that very I think reason. It's an amazing film, and yeah. I hope Ethan Hawke can carry this sort of wave of like, the Critics' Choice Awards to a Best Actor nomination. Yeah, I think he can. Deserves just the not. I think probably just not. I don't know. He could be a dark horse. Yeah. Um, a Star Is Born. I think I'm the. I was the only person that had that on my list. From, uh, from head office. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's on my good. list. I love that film. Yeah, yeah. Stephen, you're shaking your head. No, I'm not shaking my head. I think it's a good. I think the first hours deserves to be in the top ten of any list. But I think it just falls apart like mm. a cardboard box in the rain. I loved. I loved its old fashionedness. I loved its melodrama and it's like a film like sort of old fashioned film with like star power that you don't really get anymore. I yeah. like. Oh, I agree it. with all of yeah. those things. I just uh, think it needs to tell a coherent and very quickly, story. Avengers: Infinity War made my top ten. Really? Yes, number 10. <laughs> but that has a joint spot on your top 10 with Mission Impossible 4. It does. Uh, which I think is yeah. the best blockbuster yeah. of the year. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And that was my number two film. Really? Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It's a good choice. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a so quality good. film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just so well done. And I encourage everyone to find any uh, audio interview with Chris McQuarrie that you can. He is such a great storyteller. Mm, he is. Uh, his <laughs> episode of Soundtracking with Edith Bowman. Uh, with him and Lorne Balfe uh, talking about the music of Fallout. It's about an hour long. They play music from that, from the original series, from the Brian De Palma film, all talking about how the music came together on Fallout. Mm. Such a good interview. And uh, Empire did a four-hour interview with him Turned out to be seven. Seven hours. Yeah, seven-hour interview with him. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't make me happy. What? Uh, <laughs> he, but, he, I, yeah, he, he just it speaks works, so well. Though, it yeah, works. it does. Yeah. I can't, uh, can't deny. All right, number one film of the year. We haven't got long left. Uh, and well, we—I mean—we've spoken about it throughout the year. We even gave it its own episode. Of course, it's Phantom Thread. Yeah, yeah, deservedly yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, this was my number one. It was my number one. My number two. I left it off my list because <laughs> no, 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 no. I loved it oh. because I had it on last year's. I had it on last year's. Oh, list. you're one of those. Yeah, I had it on that one. I didn't want to double down. I didn't want to double dip. Yeah. But, Did you see uh, it on last? Did you see it last year? Yeah, I think so. I think I saw it. I in... thought we saw it at the same time. In that was earlier this year. Really? Yeah, that was yeah. 2018. Well, it's a great movie, guys. <laughs> uh, Even without it going on your list, it's still number yeah, one. I yeah, think, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic film, and it deserves to be number one on any list. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson knocked it out of the park with this one. So I believe oh. this was number one by twelve points. So yeah, is that the biggest number one win ever? I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't the answer for you on that one. Right. Well, check the stats. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how they score, does it? Super. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's it. it, it falls in wonderfully into the canon of um, Deadly Mushroom films that have yeah. been coming out yes. recently, which is amazing. If you've been following that, I think I think Twitter's kind of keeping a tally of Deadly Mushroom films <laughs> that are happening at the moment. Uh, maybe we'll see that following yeah. 2019. I as well, well, I'm happy tra- to see it as someone who doesn't like mushrooms. <laughs> More of this, please. Anti-mushroom propaganda. Yes. <laughs> I think the trailer really left me wondering what the hell is this film going to be about? And I like to go to a, into a Paul Thomas Anderson film pretty cold, and I left it really thinking... I didn't think it was going to be like that. Mm. Like, a romance comedy? Mm. Mm. And mm. it is really funny and really romantic, but also a lot of other stuff going on as well. Uh, yeah. And it spawned a good many memes. Good uh, many the, memes. The no-context Phantom Thread yeah. Twitter account is always reliable <laughs> yeah. in any situation. <laughs> so quotable. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's just great that we've got someone like Vicky Creeps to come out of it as well. Oh, yeah. uh, a, new, a new star in my eyes. Like, yeah. um, star is born. It's a shame she hasn't had another film that's... <laughs> Tell me something good. <laughs> it's a shame that she's not had something else come out this year already. I can't wait to see what she's going to be in next. Incredible actress, mm. um, and held her own against Daniel Day Lewis, yeah. which is the most. I think impressive. she's doing Bergman Island. Yes, with um, right. Mia Hansen Love. Yep. Uh, so Aww. I'm very excited about that. She Greta Gerwig left the project, and she's come in as a replacement. I mean, in terms of replacements for Greta Gerwig, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. 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 Uh, congratulations to Phantom Thread. Before we go, I've got a game. Uh, for you guys uh, as it's Christmas I've got a little quiz uh, the so, winner yeah. will be receiving a blu-ray and digital copy of Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children oh, I don't want to play this game no, no, I, no, just I in case that. I win yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really All want right. that 
Uh, I saw it in the cinema with the worst thing I've ever. Tim Burton's your favourite director, though, isn't he? Yeah. So. It was when I was like ten. <laughs> so, guys, I've got some. Um, so it's a game called Sequel or No Quill. Uh, uh, so these are Christmas sequels. You have to tell me whether or not they exist. It is a buzzer-based game. All right. Okay. So you've got to okay. call in, uh, and you have to tell me whether this film exists. <laughs> Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. I think that doesn't exist. Minus one point. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to play it safe, Stephen. Yeah. You can't just be... Wait, I think <laughs> yeah, there were no rules that were like, if you get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was going to It's almost like I'm making it up as I go along. Now I know. All right. <laughs> Minus one, that's shocking. Yeah. How this is how you get 50 minutes of silence on a podcast because everyone's too scared to <laughs> answer. All right. Got to that Blu-ray. Film number two. Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House. Buzz, it exists. It does exist. <laughs> Plus one point. Uh, there is a bonus. Two points now available if anyone can tell me what director Peter Hewitt's debut feature film was. I've never heard of that person. Yeah. Oh, there are too many films for me to do a guess. <laughs> <laughs> Name a film. <laughs> Christmas film. Hang on, Peter Hewitt. His debut film. <laughs> What's his other film? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, give me one of his other films. Well, Home Alone 4, taking back the house. (laughs) (laughs) So his debut film would have been... uh, Before Home Alone 4 came out, which we all know was... Could it have been been Home Alone 3? It was not. uh, Minus one point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Peter Hewitt's debut feature film was Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Okay, Bad Santa 2. Uh, Buzz exists. It does. Plus two over here. Oh, come on, guys. Kelly. Yeah. Step it up. I we haven't had any, any yet. anything about Christmas films. Guys, I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> any Hanukkah films in this yeah. list? Yeah. Eight Crazy Nights. Uh, the Holiday <laughs> 2 Island Getaway. That exists, I think. Minus one point. Oh. <laughs> does not exist. Oh, the other side of the I table. I wish it did. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Home Alone 6, Kevin's Sacrifice. Definitely does not no. exist. He's got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back to minus one. Yeah. Uh, the minus one is over here. Um, Kevin's San- Sacrifice. <laughs> uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, The Return of Borax. Buzz, it does exist. It doesn't. All the playing field. Borax is in Futurama, isn't (laughs) it? (laughs) I have seen uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, the original, though. Not a good Christmas film. Really? Don't search it out. It's bad. (laughs) Jingle All the Way 2. Definitely exists. It does. Yeah. Steven's pulling it back. Yeah. I'm on zero. All the scores. I'm on zero. You're on one. You're on mine. Okay. Okay. uh, So I think it's only fair to say that uh, the final film... Is a three-pointer. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Miracle on 35th Street. Buzz does not exist. It doesn't exist. Oh, oh, well done, Sam. That was one of the things in the quiz last night. Well, Miracle on 34th yeah, Street yeah. was, yeah. That's what makes there it There you are, Sam. There is your copy of wow. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children on Blu-ray and digital HD. Oh, good. Merry Christmas. Well done. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Curzon Film Podcast uh, 2018. Not just this uh, best of episode, but of course, throughout the year, it's been wonderful to have you with us. Uh, if you want some podcast dissection of the films we've been talking about, we have got episodes and interviews uh, with people on Ladybird, uh, 120 BPM, A Fantastic Woman, Roma, Loveless, You Were Never Really Here, Shoplifters, Cold War, and Phantom Thread. We spoke about them all, so go back and listen to those episodes if you want to. Quite a few of the top 10 are also on Curzon Home Cinema. We have a collection called Best of 2018 where quite a few of them reside. And until... 2019 i suppose that's it um we will be back with an episode on the favorite and an impossible love uh, and i was lucky enough to speak to mark gatis all about the favorite yeah so an impossible love is in cinemas january 4th but it will be on curzon home cinema a week earlier on december 28th so you can see it before anyone else in the uk curzon home cinema december 28th Excellent. Um, right, so if people want to keep up with everyone's Christmas watching, uh, Stephen, they can follow you on Letterboxd, can't you? Where you can find your personal list as well. Yes, you can find my personal list on there, which includes not... Uh, doesn't go by Curzon's rules, that list. My own rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can find me on Hydra 815. 
Lovely. And Kelly, people can keep up with you on Letterboxd as well. Yeah, Kelly P Triple E. Lovely. Uh, and Sammy, you're posting mo- mostly on Twitter. Or do you want to share, share your I'm trying to see what my username is on Letterboxd. Uh, just find it through Kelly's. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like S Howlett something. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitter at Sam Howlett underscore one. Great. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Jake H Cunningham. Uh, thank you so much for listening again. Uh, see you next time. Bye bye. Merry Christmas. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.